Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to our listeners joining us today. I am Will Heisentruitt, and this is Sometimes Baseball. We are very excited to be welcoming back for the first time in a while, Carrie Jarvi, the biker, world traveler, former teacher, former Jimmy John's delivery guy, professional dungeon master, and future psychologist. How are you doing, Carrie? I'm doing all right. I like the I like the the full credentials there. If you could just like make an acronym out of those, I'm sure it spells like Baba Darba Darba Darb, but <laughs> email signature. Yeah. Let everybody else figure it out. Yeah. B for biker, WT for world traveler, T for teacher, JJ for Jimmy Johns, PDM for professional dungeon master, yeah. and then P for psychologist. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of credentials are consonants in there. <laughs> no vowels. No, no. We don't like vowels on here. Uh. <laughs> Look, that happens to my kids when we play Dungeons and Dragons. I ask each kid for like one letter and we'll try and spell a word. And inevitably they pick like Q, X, W, W. Oh, of course. And I'm like, great. That's your best friend's name. Now you have to talk to Quickswicked. <laughs> and they're like, why did we name him that? I'm like, I don't know. Why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you, you tell a kid to pick the letter, they'll think they'll pick the funniest ones. So, it, yeah. It, the funniest letter. All right. Maybe that's your next draft for next week. What are the funniest letters? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like that. <laughs> Jeez. I, I don't even know. All right. Anyway, here's our agenda for this week. <laughs> We're going to get Carrie's thoughts on what it's like as a Cardinals fan right now. Then we're going to jump right into what you've been thinking. We're going to transition into today in baseball history. And then we're going to look at our takeaways uh, from the baseball season so far, like the last week or overall. And then we're going to look at where we've been right and where we've been wrong with our predictions and uh, we'll take accountability there. And then we'll do our draft of Disney princesses. We would want to back us up in a fight. Very excited for this. I'm, ex- I'm ready for these uh, scouting reports on them. Uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and then we'll bring it all home with our trivia question, song lyric, or movie quote of the day, and our trending Twitter topic. With that all being said, if you have a fun Twitter story you would like us to talk about, trivia you you think can stump Carrie or our guests, you can be a part of the show. All you have to do is reach out to us on either Instagram or Twitter. On Instagram, you can DM us at SometimesBaseball. And on Twitter, reach us at SometimesBaseball. Additionally, if you like our logo, head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash SometimesBaseball. If you don't like any of the current designs, you can reach out to our email, which is, you guessed it, SometimesBaseball at gmail.com. Calm. Now, Carrie, before we really get to the what you've been thinking, I'd like to hear your experience as a Cardinals fan with the massive layoff and how that was for you watching other teams play and really start to get in their groove while your guys are sitting in quarantine. You know, it's kind of disappointing just to know that it's because the players were not following health and safety protocols that they had to miss playing baseball, right? Like, this is only something that they brought onto themselves. Reminds me of, like, Mike Clevenger getting himself suspended for not reporting the fact that he had broken protocols. And it's like, I don't know what we thought was going to happen. And uh, I, you know, I'm in group text with other Cardinals fans, and some of my friends are like, they should just kick us out for the season. (laughs) I don't know if we deserve to be 
in contention or, or just even considered for like just being absolutely reckless with health and, you know, potential health of other teams. And like, it's really irresponsible. So it was sad to, you know, not have Cardinals baseball. I'm on the West coast. So I've become a pseudo Padres fan, <laughs> which was going to happen anyway. Uh, now the Cardinals baseball is back. I feel like there's always a Cardinals game on. Like I just kind of wake up and I expect like, Oh, there's probably a game on because we're almost always playing a double header. And that's part of the punishment of uh, having the layoff. You got to play double headers now. <laughs> Look, and that's actually kind of okay because we have decent depth. Um, yeah, that's the cardinal way, man. We have we have decent depth. They gave us an excuse to bring up Carlson. Uh, Alex Reyes was pitching and looked good. Our former top prospects who who was hit by injuries and is now like in the rotation. So I think you know having lots of double headers is going to be fine, especially since they're seven innings which actually threw me off the other day it was like top of the seventh we were down six five and i was like all right here we go we're gonna come back and it was like game over and i was like oh yeah (laughs) oh man yeah trevor bauer uh threw a complete game because it was only seven innings (laughs) yeah oh that's great oh my complete game prediction uh is still six already i'm very excited about that that's that's one area I went way right, but anyway, uh, my experience as a Cardinals fan. There's always card. There was no Cardinals baseball at all, and now there's perpetual Cardinals baseball because we're only playing doubleheaders the rest of the season. It feels like. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, very interesting. I saw some said they got to play like 55 games in like 40 some odd days. 48 days, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, very interesting. But, yeah, the Cardinals are back playing baseball, and we got Kerry back on the show. So, Kerry, what you been thinking? You've been off for a while. I bought a lettuce bin at the grocery store. They sell them in, like, those tubs of, like, mixed greens. And yeah. Like, and it's just, like, a plague. I don't like salad. I don't have a reason to eat salad. It's just – it's awful. But then I found out, like, oh, wait, we have tortillas. And I, I took some tortillas. I put some hummus in the tortilla. I sprinkled some Mexican cheese. I stuck the lettuce in there, and that was tolerable. So I don't know. I being healthy tastes gross. That's all. That's <laughs> yeah. I had a salad uh, for dinner tonight, and the green was spinach, and I was like, Ugh, it's yeah. not a, not about it. Uh, so, I don't know. I'll keep trying to find inventive ways to to make it appealing, but mm-hmm. hummus cheese lettuce wrap is is my way of tolerating. Interesting. Yeah, my workaround for uh, eating fruit now is I just smother apples and peanut butter. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's quite delicious. I highly recommend. Um, yeah. Unless you have a peanut allergy, in which case, do not do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, here's my thought. So I've been watching. So I'm watching Juan Soto pretty closely, and he's mashing the entire league. And I have to remind myself that he is younger than me. And I think I've hit the point of no return where there are star athletes in all four major sports who are bona fide stars who are also younger than me. Uh, Other than Juan Soto, there's uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. in the major leagues, Elias Peterson in the NHL, Chase Young in the NFL, and Zion Williamson and a host of other players in the NBA uh, due to how the college rules (laughs) work there. So here I am, Uh, Kerry. Do you uh, remember the that feeling of realizing all these superstars are younger than you now? No, I, I never have to have that feeling because Mike Trout is four months older than me. So uh, 
It's like, oh, well, if I just use these next four months really well, be, <laughs> that's, I just always have that hope. So I just, I just live in that ignorance. That's <laughs> You're always on a four month uh, timer here. It's like, all right, yeah. I got four months to figure this out. <laughs> I, I could do it. I could do it in four months. If I really wanted to, I could be Mike Trout. I, I just continue to choose not to. That's, that's the only thing holding me back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Mike Trout is ridiculous. I think uh, everyone can realize that. Uh, I, always, I thought before the season started that it might impact his overall numbers, like his counting stats, but he's looking to demolish counting stats. He might hit 30 home runs this year. Who knows? Like, <laughs> Atis might go 2020. More yeah. Baseball. Yeah, yeah. He's, letting him go. It's very yep. exciting. I love it. Green light. Green light on everything. All right, today in baseball history, August 17th, 2012, the Astros suffer yet another brutal loss, giving up nine runs in the fifth inning to fall to the Diamondbacks 12-4. to After the game, manager Brad Mills, hitting coach Mike Barnett, and first base coach Bobby Meacham are all fired. The Astros have the worst record in the majors at 39 and 82 and are threatening to set a new franchise record for losses for the second consecutive year. Thus, it brings about uh, the topic of discussion is around this time of year, normally, that teams are pretty much out of it for playoff contention and managers start getting the boot. So that really brings about the question, how detrimental or how helpful can a manager really be to like, a team's success? In this day and age, is a manager even needed? What do you look for in a manager as a fan? Because that job is something really we really don't fully understand. The reasonings we like them can be so arbitrary. So I'd really like to hear your thoughts on that, Gary. Managers are a tough thing because, you know, what, what really – I mean, they set, the, they set the lineup. They make some of the bullpen decisions. But a lot of that is done, like, analytics-wise, kind of behind the scenes. Yeah. So I think really their goal – now is just to have when they talk about like the team chemistry which is like an unknown like who who knows like what what factor it is clearly it was a big thing for the nationals last year they had like really you know they really like they loved so, each other like <laughs> yeah so like i i see that as kind of the manager's role is like to make them both be a team but also to like bring something to the table that makes that team chemistry be above average um, and basically not botch the game. That was like, as a speaking as a Cardinals fan, Mike Matheny running our bullpen was like pulling my hair out every single night. It was just so <laughs> infuriating. So there's, there's ways you can go wrong as a manager, but I think if you like just kind of follow whatever the front office tells you analytics-wise, here's how you run your bullpen, do that, number one, and then two, you know, bring the team cohesion kind of together. That's really the manager's role to me. Yeah, and but see that also brings about the, the top like the discussion like, well if they if the manager listens to what the the front office says to do, but they've given you crap essentially <laughs> to work with, but the manager's a scapegoat in any situation. It's never the guys in the front office, and that that so like it's really very interesting. Yeah, they they get scapegoated for sure. I think that's I think a lot of. Anybody who strives for that role kind of knows, like, okay, if this goes wrong, you're the one who's going to get thrown under the bus. But they always get hired again anyway, right? Like, Dusty Baker got thrown under the bus when the Reds, you know, kind of fell apart. He moved over to the Nats, did great there. You know, he's, he's, 
he's still working in baseball. He's still doing his thing, Dusty Baker, but he, he got thrown to the bus at one point or another. So it's just kind of what happens. Yeah, and David and I have actually had uh, conversations on the show about how Dave Roberts, we believe he has to win. Like, no matter what he does, mm-hmm. he's he probably on his last threads here with the Dodgers unless he wins the World Series. And that really – like, he can do everything right and still not win. So, I <laughs> – Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all about that uh... – the fan base, right? It's uh, it's it's what's the thing that you can replace? Because managers are like kind of replacement level, right? But you can you can yeah. buy yourself time by just throwing your manager under the bus to the ravenous fans who are like, it's all in ruins. You'd be like, oh well, bye, Dave Roberts. We'll, we'll get somebody. New. Uh, they'll they'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. For me, what I look for in a manager is can they talk to the media can they be a strong presence do they back up their players like if mm. players have an argument with an umpire do i see the manager busting it out of the dugout to go protect his guy and stand up for him as a manager you need to respect the players like you have it at the beginning and you can only lose it <laughs> mm. yeah yeah and, and that's something that uh for managers it might be tough on their first go around like if you lose respect you might not gain it back because these players know they're so replaceable. Yeah, out of respect. It's, it's easy to lose, but it's hard to gain. Yeah, it's hard to gain back. Yeah, I don't know. It, we're not going to solve the managerial debate now, but I will say Joe Torre of the Yankees, he is only in the Hall of Fame because of his fantastic players that his mm-hmm. front office set him up with. Yeah, I, I, that's like, oh gosh, who's the manager of the Yankees now? I can't remember his name. Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone, former broadcaster. Yeah. They took a guy out of the broadcast booth and made him the manager of a team. That tells you everything that the Yankees think about that role is his job is to talk to the media, right? Like that's, yep. you know, he's he's the – but that's what you need in New York, right? Like in that yep. market, you need oh, someone yeah. between whatever the media is saying and your players, and that's the guy you want to be that go-between. You want mm-hmm. a guy who knows what it's like from the media side of things. So – it probably does depend on the market a little bit too, but um. yeah, and that might have had reasons for why Gabe Kapler got such a quick boot in Philly because I thought he was doing an exceptional job given what, what with what he was working with, but the fans just didn't like him because he didn't talk in the way that they wanted him to talk. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why they brought in Girardi because he was working with MLB Network, so he he'd go mm-hmm. grown more and more comfortable with talking to a camera talking to an audience and he'd also had success and built a reputation over in New York. Yep. Well, we don't have to dwell on uh, my <laughs> thoughts about Cardinals managers. Uh, they're, they're interesting. We, we've had a very interesting history. We, we won't go down that rabbit hole. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. We're going to move on to takeaways from the fourth week of the season. Carrie, what takeaways have you had uh, from the MLB season so far? Overall, one of the things that strikes me is there's a lot of it's it's a young early season and like what always happens in an early season there's all kinds of weird names that pop out yes oh like is this person legit is it like is it fluky is it sustainable like charlie blackman is hitting out of his mind and now that's starting to cool off a little bit but one of those names that is a step forward and it's like oh maybe this is for real is mike is for the giants yes the Fangraphs war leaderboard 
he is tied with Tatis. And if anyone's been following baseball, they know Tatis is like white hot. Mike Yastrzemski is not getting like all the publicity, but quietly because the Giants team is, is not, um, you know, their record's not so great. But Yastrzemski quietly is actually doing really well for the Giants. So if we had a full season, this is the kind of thing that's like, oh, maybe it's just a hot start. But the season's going to be over by the time hot start section is over. So uh, who knows? We'll find out next year if it's real. Yeah, and that I actually did notice last year that, like, he's a guy that, like, you saw him enough throughout, like, the course of the year on, like, highlights that, like, you thought, like, he could be a stable guy, a, um, mm-hmm. a reliable guy. And so I, I do think he is for real. I do think he is an above-average contributor to a major league team. Mm-hmm. Uh, this probably just might be his two weeks of hot stretch that he's on right now. <laughs> yeah, I, the underlying stats look pretty legit. He's he's not like he's not getting super lucky. Uh, his walk rate is seventeen percent. That's really good. Like he's, it seems legit. Yeah, and that's also like another thing that you talked, you mentioned like the hot starts that impacts the voting at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Cody Bellinger. He had an amazing first two months of the season, but his last four months of the season last year in 2019, he was hitting maybe like 240-ish. Like his OPS was way down, and he really didn't – like obviously his season was fantastic, but he was not an MVP player for a massive chunk of the season. (laughs) But his start still impacted – the way people voted because he was very early on labeled an MVP candidate. Yeah, I guess the comp would be in a regular season, like kind of the all-star game is usually our market. Oh, yeah. Like, the, hot, the you know, hot start, you get into the all-star game, except now it's like, oh, you get a hot start, you get the playoffs, right? Oh, yeah. you get MVP vote, you know, or MVP, mm. MVP voting. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, one guy to watch is Bryce Harper. He is heating up quickly mm-hmm. and he's a guy that can go on sustained levels of a hot stretch so i he's somebody to watch out for as we wind down on august mm-hmm. here's my takeaway from uh, the season so far the red sox pitching staff is bad like really bad <laughs> i saw a stat that is pretty mind-blowing red sox pitchers in 2020 as of yesterday uh, 183 innings pitched, 124 earned runs. Pedro Martinez from 1999 to 2001, 547 innings pitched, 122 earned runs. <laughs> so, it only took the Red Sox collectively 364 less innings to give up more runs than Pedro over the course of three entire seasons at the heart of this at the heat at the height of the steroid era. <laughs> I don't know if that's an indictment on this pitching staff or just uh, uh, we need to get a crown made for Pedro or something. I don't know what we need, but he was. Uh, I know he gets heralded for like how incredible he was. We need to, like, bump that up another level. He was so good. Like, yeah. yeah, if you really go back and look at the stats, it is absurd. That, like, his wins above replacement was something like 11, 12, 13. Like, it was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I said uh, before the beginning of the season when we were doing our divisional predictions that the Red Sox would be pretty bad because of that pitching staff, which leads into our next segment about 
accountability. And accountability has always been important to me. And a good way to check yourself is to say when you are wrong. But since we also like having fun, we're gonna say how right we were. And it always makes sense to trust our judgment. <laughs> Thus, we're going to take a look at a few of our predictions to see where we were spot on and where we were not. I'll take the first one. The Cubs are playing at a pretty high clip this year and not a single one of us had them in the playoffs. <laughs> so we were very much wrong on them. I think the reason we were so wrong on them was because I think we'd just grown tired of hearing the same names over and over and over again without seeing the levels of success that we were being marketed at, um, that they were mm -hmm. being marketed at. Um, but now it's starting to kind of gel together for them. So. Yeah, and we did we did give some talk to Darvish and, and yes. out, you know, pitching as well as he had been last year, that would take them a long way. And it clearly has. I mean, he's, he's as good and as John that. John Lester is dealing. Yeah, I don't <laughs> – <laughs> I don't know how that's happening, but it's happening. So yeah, it's fine. Bartolo Colon lasted into his seventies. <laughs> yeah, anything can happen. Yep. Personally, I was so low on the Athletics as a team, uh, despite being high on guys like Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. This team is scary. Everyone is playing at a ridiculous level right now for them, and they're starting to become a really fun team to watch. On top of that, I don't know if. You tune into a game, and they're winning by, like, one or two runs in, like, the seventh inning. The game's over. Their bullpen is elite. They are giving up zero runs. But, yeah, I was personally very wrong on the athletics. <laughs> I'll take the athletics and uh, continue on because my prediction for the AL West was Angels on top and then the athletics for the wild card. But the important thing there was Astros out of the playoffs. <laughs> this was before – you know, 16 teams or whatever were going to make the playoffs. But my point was that I didn't think the Astros were going to be as good this year. And they kind of faltered out of the gate. Now they're they're back up to, to 13 and 10, but they had a losing record not that yeah. long ago. They had nine rookies in their bullpen. Nine. Yeah. Uh, no, they got ravaged by the bullpen injuries. And Verlander is like the ace on that team. Uh, Granky's still there, but um, it's, you know – there's only so much uh, you can do when your when your pitching staff is is that that new or that injured. So yeah, I I, I will take sort of the win in the athletic athletics doing well and the loss in <laughs> Angels tanking. Uh, I'm yeah mad about that. Yeah, yeah, like uh, they're hitting and Bundy is pitching out of his mind, but there's really nothing else going on with their pitching staff. And they've been competitive. That's the thing. Like, most of the games have been competitive. There's not been a lot of blowouts. They lose it in the late innings. I think so, Ansel Robles has blown, like, four or five saves already. It's, it's pretty rough. Yeah. So, you know, it's the coin flip. That's the whole, This whole season is a coin flip. Maybe next year, you know, they keep a lot of that intact. Maybe they upgrade pitching in the offseason. And next year is the, the coin flip goes the other way. So Yeah, you never know. Uh, I also had Shohei Otani uh, winning my winning the AL MVP. I had reason to pick him, but I also willingly ignored how truly rough his stuff was looking in the spring 2.0 and, and how bad he ended up looking through his first two starts. Uh, he will not win MVP this year, uh, but it may just end up being his teammate. Kerry did pick that teammate, though. Hey, you're never going to go wrong picking Mike Trout. So. Yes. <laughs> 
That's Dad uh, strength forever, yeah, Mike Trout. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, that I picked Luis Castillo out of the three Reds pitchers that I really liked and uh, also behind Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer. And all three of them are at the top of the leaderboards in pretty much every major pitching statistical category. So I, I will take that one as a win. So for as much as I've been wrong, also realize I'm, 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 I'm right on one thing. So you should definitely follow me to the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, what percent do you need to be right to be right in the stock market? Uh, I don't know. 10% <laughs> a year. I, I can come up with a uh, 10%, right? Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, my, my, all of my individual MVP rookie of the year, Cy Young predictions, almost all those are a wash. Luke Weaver was going to be my Cy Young pick. Uh, he's pitched twice now. Thanks to the Cardinals. Jack Flaherty. Yes. Uh, Jack Flaherty. Sorry. And he's not going to, you know, he's not going to pitch extra. He's going to pitch at his same pace. It's just, he's just not going to get as many opportunities. So maybe he racks up the innings, but it, it seems less likely now. I still have the Mike Trout win. A couple yes. of my year picks, uh, both of them have not been called up. So, oh, well. Yeah, Luis Robert looks to be a lock right now for the AL Rookie of the Year. And David did pick him. So props to him. I picked Nate Pearson for the AL. And he's made a couple strong starts. But it's nothing that can really overtake Robert at this point. But, yeah, he's a stud, Luis Robert. Yeah, anything else? Wins or losses? Accountability? Right, wrongs? I'm just looking at the standings. The Reds, I, you know, they might have a chance to still turn this around. I feel good about my, my Rays pick. Obviously, the Yankees could still win that division. That was – they're likely to. That was – I picked them to not not get it. I thought the Rays would get it. But I still like uh, the Rays being super competitive right there at the top. Um, yeah, and it's still early enough where, like, Yankees falter for a bit. I mean, Judge and Stanton are back on the injured list, along with DJ LeMahieu. So your prediction about them all getting injured is correct. <laughs> they just yep. happen to be winning because of their ridiculous depth that they have. <laughs> yeah, and, oh, here's a loss that I'm so excited to be wrong about. The Baltimore Orioles. Remember before the season, we were like, ooh, maybe they'll win single-digit numbers of games? Yes, they're already at double digits. Yeah. They're 12 and 10. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and we were talking about, that, like, they're kind of, if they can keep up, they're legitimately like a playoff threat. Like, that's weird. It's super weird. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited by that. I'm excited that they, they brought in for their new general manager, I think, what was the assistant GM from the Astros? But they, they took the current GM for the Orioles. Is oh, the Elias. Like Elias. Mike, Mark Elias or something? something like yeah. That. But he was like, he was right there with the Astros as they were rebuilding from the ground up, right? Yeah. And the, clearly, whatever was going on in their, their office before was not working. I mean, Dylan Bundy, get him out of there. He's blowing up. Mike Estrichi, <laughs> blowing up. Former Orioles, left and right. They're doing great. So I'm glad that, you know, they've got somebody new behind the helm and, and they're seeing some success there. It's funny you talk about the uh, Orioles, people leaving the Orioles and blowing up because that is part of our trivia question. Uh, oh. We're not there yet. Okay. We are at the draft. Very excited about this. Disney princesses, we would want to back us up in a fight. As always, there's no rules other than you have to wait your turn. Uh, 
<laughs> so, Carrie, let's hear your first pick. Let's hear the score. Oh, my God. Report. I get first pick? <laughs> oh, I'm taking the princess who has explicit military training and execution, <laughs> has planned battles, uh, and seeing those come to fruition, she took on an entire army. She has defeated the Huns. I am taking Mulan for one overall pick in a fight for sure. She is, she is tough. I, if I had to pick anybody, regardless, to back me in a fight, I would want Mulan. She, she, uh, she also like that. Yeah, that movie is awesome. Mushu is hilarious. But yeah, Mulan, fantastic warrior yeah that 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 is it has to be number one overall pick it's so obvious it didn't even need to be said like kind of like uh the bryce harper draft pick <laughs> yeah you just gifted this to me so I'll, I'll take it that's fine yeah all right here's uh is my first pick i'm taking pocahontas she's pretty quick she'll she'll give uh everybody a run for their money she's tough she she'll beat you up she can stand her own and she's willing to stand up for what's right. And I want that on my team. I, I, I want her backing me up. So, yeah, I, I'm taking Pocahontas. She can run faster than the wind or whatever the song lyric was, the colors I, of the wind. I don't know. <laughs> I need to rewatch that. Got Disney Plus. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I, I'm taking Pocahontas. She, she, she can uh, handle her own for sure. All right. Well, for my next pick, this is where I, I – we were arguing before the show whether or not Star Wars is included in the Disney Princess <laughs> canon. I'll say it's not for the for these purposes. We'll keep it to the, the more traditional. But Pixar is included. So I'm going to take Merida from Brave. Ooh. Uh, I had her as my third pick. <laughs> I have her as my second pick. Third I, overall. My third overall, yeah. Yeah, I, I like the, the archery. Um the archery background. That's really gonna be good. She doesn't shy away from a fight in the yes. She jumps right into the fray, so that's what you want as backup in a fight. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, she'll. Uh, I think she's also pretty quick on her feet, um, if I'm remembering that movie correctly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, but yeah, she's deadly accurate with the bow and arrow. I wouldn't want to be on the other end of that. Um, so having her behind me would be awesome, like on like the back flanks. Um, yes, for sure, Merida from Brave. I'm taking Rapunzel with my second overall pick, Tangled. Mm -hmm out of the movie tangled uh being on the other end of that frying pan no thank you i want her on my team rapunzel <laughs> if we're going long hair rapunzel she can tie you up she is a problem she is a problem for somebody else uh in the paint <laughs> definitely not somebody you want to be fighting um, i mean you'll you'll she'll she'll use her hair to like you know yeah, like uh, like a whip or restrict them or something yeah um yeah it, she, she's she's definitely a problem in the uh, in the octagon for sure. <laughs> Carrie, uh, what's uh? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what setting our our fight is in. I perhaps it's a seafaring fight. I'm taking Moana as my last one. Uh, third pick. She she handy with a paddle. She she <laughs> got a chicken at one point or not chicken. Dwayne the Rock Johnson's character who I can't remember. But anyway, um, she's. She proves her bravery over the course of the movie and is unafraid to, to go and fight and take on something that seems impossible. So She took on an entire island. <laughs> she, did. she took on an island. She took on a, a crab, uh, a looting treasure crab. So I've seen her, I've seen her in combat before, and I, I feel good about what she can do and handle herself. So, There you go. 
Yeah, uh, I uh, I had her uh, ranked right behind Rapunzel. So uh, maybe you have this one ranked uh, right behind uh, Moana. I'm taking Tiana from Princess and the Frog. She's resourceful in any situation, uh, human or frog. She will be scrappy <laughs> in the octagon. She works really hard. I know she'll be putting in the training in the background, um, really making sure it's a team effort out there, cohesion, uh, very much so. <laughs> I'm trying to keep a straight face here. <laughs> uh, but, yes, it, yeah, Tiana, she, she, she's scrappy. I, I like my team of Pocahontas, Rapunzel, and Tiana. We got a bit of uh, craftiness, quickness, very quick out there. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Resourcefulness. We have, we, we have no – oh, re, come on. Resourcefulness? We're still – we got to circle back to Mulan and why she was the number one overall pick. She took an army of troopers, put them in dresses, trained them how <laughs> 80, and then took on the hunts. Oh, my gosh. No. Okay. Resourceful. Come on. I feel like she has, like, a big ego, though. Uh, she was the only – I think she might have been the only one to get a whole trilogy out of uh, the Disney princesses. I don't know. She's got the big ego. She's had the cameras following her for a while. She might not have been putting in the training that is necessary in a fight. She'll be a good commander, though. Look, I, I, think, you did, I think you get too cute when you don't draft Mike Trout number one overall, and you get too cute when you try to think another Disney princess is better in a fight than Mulan, so – it's, I'm just saying, I think my team, I, I think we got the resourcefulness. We got, we got the frying pan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, I also pondered taking Ariel, if this was uh, Little Mermaid, if this was a water fight. Jasmine with her tiger out of Aladdin. I don't I know if the tiger decide. counts. I, w I wasn't sure if allies count. Yeah, I was like, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, then you get eight dwarfs <laughs> on your side, right? But that's yeah. only Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, we can both agree that the least helpful person would be Sleeping Beauty. Uh, <laughs> I think her name's like Aurora. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, she, definitely someone you would not want helping you out if she's just taking naps all the time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Cinderella doesn't seem that great either. She just wishes on a pumpkin or something. Yeah. I don't know. If she starts hitting you with that glass shoe, I'd be worried about the shards. <laughs> that's, oh, that's true. She's, she'd be ready for a bar fight at any point. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, geez. All right, we're going to move on to our trivia question, which I alluded to earlier. Name the pitcher who won 210 games after being released by the Orioles at age 32. They won 210 games after being released? Yeah, at age 32. Ooh. It's not Jake Arrieta. He hasn't won 210 games. No, no, no. <laughs> I didn't think so. That would be a lot for him. Do I know other former Orioles pitchers? Uh, I'm stumped. Okay, the answer is Jamie Moyer. Oh. Yes, he played until he was 49 years old. <laughs> oh, that helps. Okay, all right. Yeah, and by the time he retired, he faced roughly 9% of all major league hitters in baseball history. Wow. Yeah, uh, he must have been a good chemistry guy to stick around for that long. And he also holds the all-time record for home runs allowed with 544 gopher balls. I guess it brings about a question. Who do we think could play into their 40s, late 40s? 
My my pick would be Zach Greinke. I feel like he's a guy that's just he's crafty enough, mm-hmm. and he's comfortable throwing slowly that he could play until he's in a wheelchair. I don't know. <laughs> I can see Trevor Bauer doing that. Yeah, he loves just experimenting for yeah. just he'll, experimenting he'll, sake. <laughs> he will absolutely rebrand and continue to be productive until he can't anymore. That's that's how he's going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's, he's a very interesting guy. Yeah, Trevor Bauer. I'm a big fan of Trevor Bauer's. The book, uh, The MVP Machine, talks a lot about Trevor Bauer. Funny enough, <laughs> Carrie and I, uh, I got Carrie the book, The MVP Machine, for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Carrie, what'd you get me for Christmas? I got you a copy of the fantastic book, The MVP Machine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we uh, un- unknowingly uh, exchanged copies of The MVP Machine. Did you finish it? I finished it. It was great. I loved it. Yeah, I, I have not been able to finish it. I'm close, though. I'm close. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, but you've read... You yeah you know enough about Trevor Bauer in there it's yeah he's a he's a character but he's a hard worker at the same time so yes everything he does is for a purpose or mm-hmm. in the name of getting better and I like that all right we're gonna move on to our one of my favorite segments the song lyric or movie quote of the day Carrie what have you prepared for us my song lyric for this week is from a Coldplay song. And it is one of my favorite things because every time I hear it, I picture Chris Martin and he's like in bushes with like his girlfriend or his wife. And he's, the song lyric is, I want something just like this. And I always picture him sneaking around, like following another couple on a date and he's with his partner and like their relationship is going terrible. But he's like, see, I want something just like this. Like, he doesn't say like <laughs> No, he doesn't. I want something just like this. But not this. Yeah. He wants something like this. Not <laughs> this isn't working. This has to end. But I want something just like this. Something very similar. Like yeah. I, I don't know what he's asking for. It's so confusing. <laughs> oh geez. Yeah. Songs can be quite confusing. Uh, <laughs> I very much agree. I love that. <laughs> Movies. I picked a movie quote. They can be more symbolic, and some quotes, when taken out of context, can apply to anything. And so this one comes from the epic, The Dark Knight, 2008, said by Joker. He goes, it's not about the money. It's about sending a message. <laughs> Ooh, with the impression. Yes, and I, I've, I love that one. And I think it's something that baseball owners need to sign off on when they buy a team. It's not about the money. Come on. It's about sending a message. We are the St. Louis Cardinals. We will win the World Series every seven years. <laughs> like, it's just something about that. Or like the Yankees yeah. of old. We are the Yankees. It's not about the money. It's about sending a message. We are New York. We are rich. We are powerful. <laughs> that reminds me of like Mike Illich, who was the former owner of the Tigers. Uh, from 92 to 2017. Yes. Yeah, he passed away. Yes. He passed away in 2017, but he did everything he could to bring a championship to Detroit. He wanted to yes. see in his lifetime under his ownership. It wasn't about the money. He signed Prince Fielder to an outrageous contract. He signed Miguel Cabrera to an outrageous contract. He, like, handed him out, but it's because he wanted to win. He made, like, win now, 
bring in the team, like let's let's make a super team kind of moves. It didn't end up working because yeah. roster construction issues and all kinds of stuff. But I just love that. It wasn't about the money. It's about winning a championship and bringing one to Detroit, right? Like that was Mike Illich's attitude to baseball as an owner. Oh. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I also like just using that line in other uh, other contexts, uh, like with this oh. podcast. It's not about the money. Granted, no money's coming in, but it's about sending a message. <laughs> we love baseball, and we want to talk about baseball, but also sometimes other stuff, like song yeah. lyrics or movie quotes. <laughs> or Disney princesses in a fight. Yeah, or the trending Twitter topic of the day, which is... Death Valley recorded a temperature of 130 degrees Fahrenheit the other day, which is believed to be the hottest temperature in the United States in over 100 years. This, uh, I guess, brings about the question, would you rather spend a day in 130 degree heat or negative 30 degrees? I personally hate the heat. Or no, I personally hate the cold. So I think I would take the heat. Uh, hopefully it's a dry heat, quote unquote. Um, like you find in uh, Las Vegas, it's it, it can be upwards of a hundred degrees, but it really doesn't feel like it. I don't know. I think I think I would take the hundred and thirty degrees over the negative thirty. I don't know, Carrie. I'm I'm truly a Finnish person because I have yes. to negative thirty of those two options. Uh, <laughs> thirty sounds awful. It it broke ninety degrees this past weekend for the first time in Seattle this year. Yeah. And I was miserable. It was awful. Well, it's also super humid there. It's not. It's really not. It's it's like really? nice like incoming sea breeze. It's delightful. No, it was only 90 degrees and I was like melting. So 130? Absolutely. Not. Give me the minus 30. I will I will, you know, get all the wool and rapier <laughs> leggings I need, everything whatever it is to to be geared up for that. I'll take minus 30 any day. See, for me, I think I would be breaking teeth with how much I would be chattering in the, <laughs> in the negative 30 degrees. I, I'm just not a fan of the cold. Uh, the snow is just horrible. I, yeah, I, I just can't, can't do that. I don't know. That's very hot, though, 130. <laughs> but, yeah, so that, yeah, that was making national news. All right. But, uh, yeah, I think that's it for our show. Uh, any last thoughts, Carrie, you had uh, but didn't get the chance to say? Um, best way to beat the heat, eat a soggy Choco Taco. <laughs> oh, God, the Choco Taco makes its way back. <laughs> yeah, jeez. All right, thank you so much, Carrie, for taking the time, and we'll see you soon.